Lord, we thank you this morning for the blood. We thank you for the blood, the powerful, sin-cleansing blood of Jesus that set us free. And Lord, we thank you for that. We thank you for the blood. What could wash away my sins? Nothing, nothing but the blood of Jesus. God, we thank you for that. Lord, we are so thankful this morning for what you've done for us. And God, we just ask that right now as we turn to the word of God, Lord, that it would accomplish the very thing you sent it to do. That, Lord, your anointing would be, I'm just asking you, God, to please allow me to speak under the anointing. God, that your word would be powerful this morning. God, we ask it in the name of Jesus. And again, we give you all thanks, all praise, and all glory. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen and amen. Amen. Hallelujah. All right, so kids, you're dismissed to go to your classes in the kids zone. Thank you, Mark. We have classes downstairs for um, nursery, three and four year olds, four to sevens, eight to twelves. Uh, all your ki- all the kids are welcome to go down to that those classes there. Great things happen in the kids zone. If you want to keep your kids with you, you're more than welcome to do that as well. So um, as we're um, before I get started, a couple things. We uh, this morning I think Bobby mentioned in her prayer. We had a a gentleman give his life to Jesus, so let's celebrate with that. Amen. Amen. Um, At at the end of the service um, today, we're going to have a baptism, so uh, that's something to celebrate. Yes, yes. So, um, so we're gonna we'll bring the kids up when we do that, and so you'll we'll sort of let you know when you can go down and get your kids and bring them back up because we always like the kids be part of the baptism and see what's going on. Um, we've, we've had a real, I'm just going to call it revival in our children and our youth. We've, so uh, we're having good things happen with them. So hallelujah. All right. So this morning we're going to continue in this uh, sermon series that um, we call, I'm calling it Lions. We're calling it Lions. Uh, it comes from a scripture, Proverbs 28 verse 1 that says this. The wicked run away when no one is chasing them, but the godly are as bold as lions. And so we talked about this last week that we, if we're born again, if we're a believer in Jesus Christ, a follower of Jesus, that we should be bold, bold in our faith, bold in, in those things. And that too many times in today's culture, we see this reversed where people are very bold about their sin. They're bold about their unrighteousness. They're bold about their rebellion. And too many times at the same time, those who know Jesus are too quiet, too reserved, too timid about their faith. And so we want to be bold as lions. Amen. And again, last week, we sort of talked about the definition of being bold. We said it's it's not being rude. It's not being mean-spirited. It's not, you know, saying things without regard to other people's feelings. That's not being bold. Sometimes it's confused for that. But we did talk about it being that we're three things, that we're confident. We're confident in who God is. We're confident of what Jesus did on the cross. We're confident in who we are in Christ. We're confident in the things that God's called us to do, that we're courageous. And courageous means not acting when there's no fear, but acting in the face of fear when we are afraid, going ahead and doing the things that God's called us to do. And, And then being convinced. 
convinced of what's right, convinced of what's wrong, convinced of what the Bible says, convinced of what we know God has told us to do, convinced in that. And then we're not like James talks about one of those that's tossed to and fro like the waves of the sea. And so that today we think this is right and tomorrow we think it's wrong. And, you know, we think this is wrong and tomorrow we think that's right. But we know because we spent time in the Word and we spent time with the Holy Spirit. And so then after we, we know that we're confident, we're courageous, and we're convinced that we act on those things. We act on the things that God's called us to do. We act on what God has instructed us to do in Scripture. We act on the things that the Holy Spirit inspires us to do and leads us to do. So today I'm going to be reading out of Acts chapter 4, starting in verse 5. And because um, today, last week we talked about having a bold faith, and this morning I'm going to talk about having a bold witness, being a bold witness. And to sort of set this story up in Acts chapter 4, if you remember the story, Peter and John are on their way to the temple one day to pray and they run across a man who's been crippled for 40 years and he, he asked them for money. And so their response goes something like this, we don't have any silver or gold, but here's what we do have. Get up and walk in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And he gets up and he walks and this miracle happens and the power of God moves and it does not make everybody happy. <laughs> the council... The Sanhedrin, whatever you want to call it, they're not happy. They don't like that he was healed in the name of Jesus. So we'll pick up the story in Acts chapter 4, verse 5. And I'm going to be reading several verses, but I think it's all important. It is the word of the, God, word of the Lord. Amen? And so verse 5, The next day the council of all the rulers and elders and teachers of religious law met in Jerusalem. Annas the high priest was there along with Caiaphas, John, Alexander and other relatives of the high priest. They brought in the two disciples and demanded, by what power or in whose name have you done this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of our people, are we being questioned today because we've done a good deed for a crippled man? Do you want to know how he was healed? Let me clearly state to all of you and to all the people of Israel that he was healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, the man you crucified but whom God raised from the dead. For Jesus is the one referred to in the scripture where it says, the stone that you builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. There is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. There is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. Amen? And so the members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing right there among them. There was nothing the council could say, so they ordered Peter and John out of the council chambers and conferred among themselves. What should we do with these men, they asked each other. We can't deny that they have performed a miraculous sign, and everybody in Jerusalem knows about it. But to keep them from spreading their propaganda any further, we must warn them not to speak to anyone in Jesus' name again. So they called the apostles back in and commanded them never again to speak or teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, Do you think 
God wants us to obey you rather than him. We cannot stop telling about everything we have seen and heard. And the council then threatened them further, but they finally let them go because they didn't know how to punish them without starting a riot. For everyone was praising God for this miraculous sign, the healing of a man who had been lame for more than 40 years. As soon as they were freed, Peter and John returned to the other believers and they told them what the leading priests and elders had said. When they heard the report, all the believers lifted their voices together in prayer to God. O sovereign Lord, creator of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them, you spoke long ago by the Holy Spirit through, the ancestor, through our ancestor David, your servant, saying, Why were the nations so angry? Why did they waste their time with futile plans? The kings of the earth prepared for battle. The rulers gathered together against the Lord and against his Messiah. In fact, this has happened here in this very city. For Herod, Antipas, Pontius Pilate, the governor, the Gentiles, and the people of Israel were all united against Jesus, your holy servant, whom you anointed. But everything they did was determined beforehand according to your will. And now, O oh Lord... Hear their threats and give us your servants great boldness in preaching your word. Stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And after this prayer, the meeting place shook and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Then they preached the word of God with boldness. Amen. Amen. So this is the big idea this morning. The world needs a church that will boldly declare boldly declare the name of Jesus. The world's in need of a church, in need of Christians who will boldly declare the name of Jesus. So I'm going to talk about three, three basic ideas. I'm going to talk about the opposition of the enemy, the supplication of the believers, and the resolution of God. So we'll, we'll talk about that. We'll break that down. So let's talk about the opposite, opposition. So Peter and John pray for this man. He's healed in the name of Jesus. And the council does not like it because they either jealous or they're threatened or whatever it is that they're afraid that maybe uh, the d disciples in the name of Jesus would receive more recognition, more power, more authority. I don't, I don't know, but they do not like. It may just been their theology that Jesus could not be the Messiah and so they were in opposition to this. But can I tell you that every since Jesus was born on the earth, there has been opposition to the name of Jesus. There's been opposition to calling out the name of Jesus, declaring the name of Jesus, speaking the name of Jesus. This is nothing new. And so it's always been that way from the very beginning. And so now currently we live in a time when there is still opposition to the name of Jesus being spoken. Now in most countries, most, I mean in, in some countries, I'll say that, in some countries, the, the, the threat against using the name of Jesus is actually physical. You could lose your job. You could lose your life. You could lose your freedom. You could lose your money. All those things could happen. In America, we deal mainly with things like you could be shamed or insulted or shunned or people talk bad about you or you could lose a few friends. And um, doesn't even seem to compare. But I would say at the same time, it's the same devils behind the, the thing. And so we're dealing with powers and principalities that are trying to intimidate the church and intimidate you and me from stopping to say, speaking in the name of Jesus. And so one of the reasons that I believe that, that this happens is 
Uh, I want you to hear what I'm saying. Don't hear what I'm not saying this morning. Jesus did a lot of wonderful things, and he continues to do a lot of wonderful things. And it is Jesus' heart. We, we know that in his prayers, he prayed that the church be one as he and the Father were one. So inside the church, inside the, the, the community of Christ, inside the body of Christ, he wants us all to be one and united and, and in fellowship. Amen? Amen? Amen. But Jesus is also a disruptor and a divider. Let me read to you what he said in Matthew chapter 10, verse 34 to 39. He said, don't imagine that I came to bring peace to the earth. I came not to bring peace, but a sword. That's, this is not your Christmas message. <laughs> peace on earth, goodwill to men, right? Jesus' words. He said, don't imagine, don't think for a moment that I came to bring peace to the earth. I came not to bring peace, but a sword. I came to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Your enemies will be right in your own household. If you love your father or mother more than you love me, you're not worthy of being mine. Or if you love your son or daughter more than me, you're not worthy of being mine. If you refuse to take up your cross and follow me, you're not worthy of being mine. If you cling to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for me, you will find it. And so those, that teaching divides people. That teaching offends people. That teaching turns people against the name of Jesus. Because one, Jesus demands complete allegiance. That you're more loyal to him than anything, anybody else. More than anybody. It also, he's also teaching that you have to love him more than you love anything or anybody else. You have to love Jesus more than you love your kids. You have to love Jesus more than you love your family. You have to love Jesus more than you love your friends, more than your things. You have, he has to be first. He has to be foremost. Your love for him has to outweigh any other love you have. That's Jesus' teachings. And he demands total submission. Amen. And he's basically saying, it's my way and no other way. And man, doesn't all that fly in the face of our culture today? That, you know, I just sort of want to work it out myself and nobody needs to tell me what to do. And, and you know, I, I just want to set my own priorities and I, want to, I just want to figure this life out. But Jesus says this, if you're going to follow me, if you're going to be my follower, you have to love me first and most. You have to be submitted to my will. You have to do it my way. And that divides people. And so we have to be... We have to be sold out to Jesus. We have to be sold out to him. Amen? Amen? And also, the, the powers and principalities. Remember, we don't war against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities, rulers, dark places and high places, and all those things that the Bible teaches us. So we're not really, sometimes it feels like we're warring against people because the demonic forces influence people, use people. But that's not who we're, we're fighting against. We're not, that's not who we're in opposition against. But here's the thing. Those, those spirits, those demonic spirits are against the name of Jesus. Because when the name of Jesus is spoken and declared, demonic powers and strongholds are broken. Amen. When we speak the name of Jesus boldly, what happened? Peter, John, they're going to the temple. They come across a man who's been crippled for 40 years. And they say, in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, 
Rise up and walk. And in that moment, the demonic powers that kept this man lame and who kept him in poverty and who kept him down and in all those chains was broken off of his life because the name of Jesus was spoken. And so we need to understand the power of the name of Jesus that when you walk into your workplace tomorrow or your school or into your neighborhood or into your home and you speak the name of Jesus, there's power there to break every chain, break every stronghold, break every addiction, heal every disease. Amen. And so that's why the enemy wants us to not speak the name of Jesus. And I want you to know that right now in this nation, in the United States of America, and a lot of countries around the world, there are spirits at work to keep us from speaking the name of Jesus, just like the council was trying to intimidate the disciples from speaking the name of Jesus. They, they, they don't care if you talk about religion. They don't care if you talk about God sometimes. But you begin to talk about Jesus. And Jesus is the way to salvation. And Jesus is my Savior. And Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. There's opposition to that. There's opposition to that. And so God is calling us to be a church and to be a people and to be families and individuals who are bold enough to stand up and say, I'm still going to speak the name of Jesus. Even if, I'm try if someone tries to intimidate me, I'm going to speak the name of Jesus. So that, that was the opposition. There was opposition. We deal with opposition. You deal with opposition. If we're real, we know that, that there are powers and principalities at work to try to keep us from declaring the name of Jesus, right? So then let's, let's look at the apostles' supplication, their prayer, how they, how they dealt with it. It says that they said there is salvation. They replied there is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. There is no other name by which we can be saved. Guys, that's still truth. That is still truth. And we need to be convinced of that truth. We have to be convinced of that truth. And so some would say again, well, that's very restrictive. That, that's, you know, why are you saying that? And, you know, we live in a culture, have you ever noticed this, that every time a celebrity of, of any kind passes away, that their publicists, their people are always talking about them being in heaven. And guys, I wish that were true. I don't, I don't wish anybody to be in hell. But the fact is, if they didn't know Jesus, if they didn't have a personal relationship with Jesus, they're not in heaven. And the culture wants us to think that every person that smiled or everybody that's famous or everybody did one good deed in their life's in heaven. And that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that we have to have the blood of Jesus, like we sang about and we worship to, applied to our life through, through Jesus. And we have to have him in our life in order to get to heaven. Without Jesus, you, it doesn't matter how good you are, how nice you are, how much money you've given away, how good you've treated people. You can be the kindest, most generous, most truthful person in the world. Without Jesus, we're bound to hell. Amen. And I know that offends, but it's truth. Amen. And we need to be bold enough to say those things. We need to be bold enough to teach those things. And so Jesus said this. He said, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Amen. He said that. So either that's the truth or he lied. And if he's a liar, don't follow him. Amen. Why would you ever want to follow a liar? But 
we live in a culture that says, you know what? He really taught some cool stuff about loving each other and forgiving each other and not judging each other. I like that stuff. He's a nice guy. I really like his teaching. But now when he tells me not to commit adultery and he tells me these other things, I don't really like that. It can't be you take some of it and not the other. It's either all or nothing. And there's no other name. You, there's no other name. Muhammad won't get you saved. Buddha won't get you saved. None of those other people. And so I know he's asking a lot. Let me, I want you to hear me. He's asking, he's asking you to put him first. He's asking you to love him most. He's asking you to obey him. All those things he's asking you. But there has never been anyone on this planet who has done more for you than him. He went to the cross. Yes, he went to the cross. And he allowed himself to be brutally killed and he shed his blood so that you and I could be forgiven of our sins and that we could go to heaven. No one else has done that. Every other religion in the world says, I want you to do it my way. I want you to bow to me. I want you to, to give your life up for me. He, Christianity is the only one where the God of the universe said, I'm going to give my life for you. And Jesus did that for us. Amen? And so we, they, we have to be convinced of that. And so they were convinced that Jesus was the only one. And they said, do you think God wants us to obey you, you rather than him? We cannot stop telling about everything we have seen and heard. That took courage. That's where courage came into play here. We read this story and go, man, good for you, Peter and John. But listen, they were dealing with the same people that they had watched crucify Jesus. These were the same people that convinced the Roman government to crucify an innocent man. So these were people of influence and power. So they weren't just fooling around with people that didn't have any power or influence. They knew who they were dealing with, but at the same time, they said, listen, we cannot obey you over God. Now, listen to me. I, I, I believe in the teaching of submission to authority, and God has set up lines of authority in the home, in government, in the church, and we should all be uh, submitting to the authorities God's places. But whenever your authority begins to tell you to oppose, to act in a way, to do something that's different than what the Word of God teaches, we have to stand up and say, that is not, I cannot do that. I have to obey this Word before I obey you. Amen? Amen? And so they had to be courageous. And let me just tell you guys something. We live in a day right now, right now, when we have to be courageous enough to have conversations that are uncomfortable. You, we need to, you need to be courageous enough to have conversations with your children. Yes. I've been working with middle school and high school kids for over 20 years now. Public school, private school. They're dealing with stuff. I'm talking second and third grade. If you think you can wait till they're 16 to have a talk about sexuality and gender, you've waited about 10 years too late. And you think, well, man, I don't want to talk to my third grader about that. Somebody's talking to them about it. Because let me tell I'm just telling you what like it is, guys. Where most kids right now get their worldview is at the school lunch table and on the internet. Yeah. And most of the time, if they're wondering 
if they're a homosexual or a bisexual or not, they're not going to come home and say, Mom, Dad, I think I might be a homosexual. Can I, can I talk to you about that? You know what they're going to do? They're going to get on the Internet. Yeah. And they're going to search that out. And there's going to be voices on the Internet that say, absolutely, if that's the way you feel, baby, just do it. If, you're, if, if your mom and dad tell you a boy, you're a boy and you want to be a girl, just be a girl because they're being so oppressive and mean to you right now. I'm talking third grade, guys. Fourth grade, fifth grade. They're having to deal with these things. And we just need to be courageous enough to say, listen, honey, God made male and female. And you were born a boy, or you were born a girl, and that's who God created to be. And it is sin, it is sin to have sex outside of marriage between one man and one woman. That's yes. sin. And some of you right now may be offended with what I'm saying, but guys, I've got to tell you the truth. And if we're not bold enough to have those conversations with our families and with our kids, they're going to, create a, they're going to develop a worldview. And there, there are generations now. I said in the first service, I'm getting old, so now there are generations under me, not just one. There are multiple generations that are at risk if the church is not bold enough to say, listen, this is sin, this is right. And listen, I, God loves everyone. We love everyone. If you're dealing with those sins, we love you. We're for you. God is for you, not against you. But listen, it, you cannot get into the kingdom of God that way. That's what the Bible says, right? And so it, we just have to be bold enough to speak the truth. We have to be bold enough to say, listen, the only way you're going to get into heaven is through Jesus. Through Jesus. Give your life to Jesus. Give your life to Jesus, and he will save you from hell. Nothing else on this earth is going to save you from hell. Nothing else, no one else can get you out of hell. It's only Jesus. Amen? Amen. Pastor, well, you must have woke up on the wrong side of bed this morning. Something. Thank you for the And then they went back to the other believers. And it says, when they heard the report, all the believers lifted their voices together in prayer to God. Guys, prayer is essential. Prayer is essential. When they felt threatened, when they felt intimidation, when they felt the opposition, they said, guys, let's pray. And that's why it is so important that you have a prayer life. You have a private prayer life. You pray at home or in your car or wherever it is. You pray with your family. You pray with your kids. You, you pray with your spouse. You find time every day to pray. You also find time with other believers. Listen, if you work with other believers, find time. Take, say, let's take five minutes of our lunch break and let's pray together. You pray. You find opportunities to pray with your brothers and sisters at River of Life. You find time to pray with. Because, listen, when they felt threatened, instead of running and hiding, they said, let's pray. Let's pray. And when they began to pray together, when they began to pray in corporate prayer, when they began to, the intercessors began to pray, when the people began to pray, things began to change. And here's what they prayed. Oh Lord, hear their threats and give us your servants great boldness in preaching your word. Lord, hear their threats and give us boldness. See, one of the things that we need to be praying about on a daily basis is, God, give me boldness. Give me boldness on my job. 
give me boldness in my school. Again, boldness is not going in with a sledgehammer and just saying, y'all are wrong, y'all are going to hell. Being, but it is speaking truth when truth needs to be spoken. It is telling your lost friends and family that, guys, you need Jesus. Let me tell you what Jesus did for me. Let me tell you how you can be born again. It's being bold enough to do those things. And there are some people, I will tell you this, some people, nobody in this room I know because you guys are good, but there's some people that are afraid to ask God for boldness because they know he'll give it to them. <laughs> and their fear is, God, if you give me boldness and I show up at work on Tuesday and I start telling about Jesus, I'm going to lose some friends. And I may lose out on that promotion and I might not be the most popular guy in school and but we need the boldness. Amen. We need boldness like lions that walk in, that we're confident in who God is in our life. We're confident in who we are in Christ. We are courageous enough to say, even though all of culture is against this right now, I'm going to stand for what is right, and I'm convinced of what I know is right and what is wrong. I'm convinced of how people get to heaven, and I'm convinced that the people I love need to get there. And so I need to be instrumental in doing that. Amen? And so prayer is important. And then they said, stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And so I, we, one of our prayers needs to be, God, heal people. Miracle signs and wonders. God, show up. Show up and, and, and heal the sick and, and set free those who are in bondage and do miracles and, and do supernatural things. But here's why. Here's why they prayed it. If you look at what they prayed, the motivation behind the prayer was not so they could have a great church service. It wasn't so they could see something cool. It wasn't even for themselves. Their prayer was, God, do these miracles so that we can Preach your name boldly so we can declare your name more boldly. In Mark, it says, And the disciples went everywhere and preached, and the Lord worked through them, confirming what they said by many miraculous signs. And so the motivation for miracles, signs, and wonders should never be selfish. It never should be to lift up my name or lift up my church's name. But the, the motivation for miracles, signs, and wonders is so that the name of Jesus be lifted high and he be glorified. And so that whenever those miracles, signs, and wonders happen, it confirms what we're boldly preaching. And then it gives us more boldness to continue to preach the name of Jesus in love, in truth, and in love. And so, guys, we need to be praying, God, would you please do like you did for the, the apostles, show up and heal people and do miraculous signs and wonders. God, we, we, we know you love people. We know you're for people. You're, you, you want them to be good. So, God, would you do that so that it, we can have more boldness, more boldness. And then we must also, it says, so here's the resolution. Here's what God did for them. After this prayer, the meeting place shook. Wouldn't that be cool? And, and totally terrifying at the same time. <laughs> and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Then they preached the word of God with boldness. Guys, we must be, we must be, we must be filled with the Holy Spirit. It says, after the Holy Spirit filled them, then they began to preach the word of God with boldness again. The intimidation began to break off of them. The intimidation. Now, here, here's what I want you to, to see about that. It's two things. 
In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus told the apostles that after the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you shall have, you will have received power to be my witnesses. And so when the Holy Spirit comes on us, we have the power, then the supernatural power to be bold in our witnessing. The second thing I want you to see here is that at least some of these people that were in this prayer meeting were there on the day of Pentecost. Some of them may not, but I, I know Peter and, and James and John, and th those guys were there on the day of Pentecost when there were tongues of fire and came and they filled them with the Holy Spirit, right? But then here it says again that after this prayer, the meeting place shook and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, wait a minute. Weren't they filled with the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost? Yes. Yes. And there's an initial baptism of the Holy Spirit. There's that initial infilling of the Holy Spirit. But there are multiple refillings of the Holy Spirit. And we just need to keep asking God, God, would you fill me again? Would you refill me with the Holy Spirit? I need to be bold in my witness. I need to be able to love people and tell them about Jesus. I need to be able to stand for what is right and stand against what is wrong. I need to be able to speak truth in love to the people that you've placed in my life. Listen, people, God has placed people in your life. And he's placed you in their life for you to take the message of the gospel to them. For you to bring them a message that will save their souls and save their life for eternity. Listen, if there, there's people in your life, in my life right now, I'm, just, I'm not going to talk about it, let me talk about me. There's people in my life right now, that way y'all can say, yeah. There's people in my life right now that if I don't faithfully teach them what the Bible says about salvation, if I don't faithfully teach them what is sin and what's not sin, they're going to go to hell. And that blood will be on my hands. So I need the Holy Spirit to fill me every day. I need the boldness of the Holy Spirit in my life to be able to speak to the people who are bound and on their way to hell so they can get set free, so they can get saved. Amen? Amen. And the Bible says this, when, when we lift up the name of Jesus, when we lift up the name of Jesus, it will draw all men unto him. And so, guys, just by speaking the name of Jesus, declaring the name of Jesus, we can see people set free and, and saved. Amen. Amen. Guys, God, God is calling us to be a church that is bold, yeah. not mean, yeah. not angry, not vindictive, but bold in love, saying, listen, my friend. Listen, my child, my spouse, my whoever, this, this is, I need to tell you this. I need to tell you this. I'm not going to leave this up to the rest of the world to teach you. When those kids go searching for things on the Internet, here's what they will find. They will find not only somebody tell them that what they want to do is okay, they'll, they'll use Scripture to justify a lifestyle contrary to the Word of God. Now, this is nothing new because we know that when Jesus was tempted, the devil used script, tried to use Scripture against Jesus, the guy who wrote the book. Yes. And so there are kids coming away going, but you know what? 
I read that the Bible says this, so, and they said that that means this, so that must mean that. So that must. That's why we have to, the church has to be bold enough to teach the truth and not shy away from things that culture is trying to destroy us with. God's calling you. God's calling me. God's calling River of Life to be a bold church, bold in our witness, bold like lions. Amen. Would you stand with me if the worship team would come on?